0: Good morning. Well, as you have probably seen in your bulletin this week, we are talking about caring confrontation. And it's not an either-or option. You can't be caring or confrontational. We have to be caring while being confrontational. And uh, I've already gotten a couple comments that I just preached on confrontation two sermons ago, so... It does not yet make me the confrontation specialist, but I'm well on my way. So, just out of curiosity here, how many people, by a show of hands, consider yourself to be a caring person? Now, how many of you, keep your hands up, have a confrontation on a regular basis? Disagreement, okay. Now, how many of you would say that your caring nature translates perfectly and comes through in your confrontations. I thought I would have at least one person whose spouse wasn't here today, <laughs> whose hand would go up. Okay, so we've all got room to grow. And that's myself included. My hand is not up on that last one. Uh, so before we dive too far into this, the, the passage I want to focus on today and we're going to have a few that I'm going to pull from, but the main one is going to be Galatians chapter 6 verses 1 and 2. Now you can open that or you can just trust me to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you a few different times, um, but we're going to pull from a couple different places. But first, would you please just join me in prayer? Father God, we just uh, ask for your blessing this morning as we consult your word. Just uh, ask that you would use it to shape us and mold us into the people that you would have us become, that we can be uh, better together uh, as people drawn together uh, at the cross of Jesus Christ and united in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So Galatians 6, 1 through 2, and my translation may be uh, slightly different, but I don't think you're going to be too thrown off. It says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression... You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. So, I'm going to say a couple hard things to hear this morning. And what I want to challenge you to do, which is it's a challenge for me as I was writing this, and when I listen to sermons... I urge you to resist the temptation to apply what you're hearing to someone else's life before you look at it for yourself. Right? When I hear a good sermon, I think, you know who really needs to hear that? I could really, I could fix their life. But first, let's uh, pause and give some self-reflection. So I've got three ideas here that kind of emerge from this text and this theme. And the first one is that most of us don't have a good understanding of what confrontation is. So, in order to remedy that, my own ignorance, I, uh, I started this year, there's, um, there's this book, a series of books, called a Journable. I know, I didn't come up with the name, it's terrible. But, it's a journal where you have the right side of the page and you copy down the exact text of the Bible, and on the left side is just a space for notes, and it has a couple prompts and questions. And so I thought, you know, this would be a good daily discipline for me to engage in. So I started with the book of Proverbs. As a result, you're going to get uh, it, what I, I think the best way to describe it is drinking from the fire hose of wisdom this morning. I've got uh, a couple of Proverbs that uh, really popped up to me as I was thinking about this, but uh, you can just listen. You don't need to worry about flipping to these because they're going to come fast. But Proverbs 12:16 says fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Now, for those of you who haven't read Proverbs in a while or maybe ever, it, the whole book sets up a contrast between the wise and the fool. And so we use synonymous terms for that, but it's always saying there's two paths. There's a the path of wisdom. It's a path of foolishness, and it's here it says, Fools show their annoyance at once, but the prudent or the wise overlook an insult. 1518, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 1628, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Proverbs 1714, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam, so drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Proverbs 17:19. whoever loves quarrel loves sin. Whoever builds a high gate invites destruction. Proverbs 20, verse 3, it is one's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to quarrel. Proverbs 26:17. like one who grabs a stray dog by the ears is someone who rushes into a quarrel, not their own. Now, I could just end the sermon there, right? That's plenty to go off of. But I'm not going to. In fact, I'm going to add in Luke chapter 17, verse 3. And it's Jesus saying, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And so the gist here is that confrontation is not about arguing well. Uh, It's not about uh, having these big debates and winning uh, or or just starting fights as frequently as we can, or even splitting hairs on things so that we can have confrontation. So we're not to seek out quarrels, we're not to rush into them, but we also can't avoid them at all costs. Right? So there's the fine line in the middle. You can't rush into them, you can't seek them out, you ought to settle them as quickly as possible, but you can't avoid them altogether. You ought not avoid them altogether. And so there's a um, a modern book that I think is helpful. uh, I read it last year. It's one of my favorite books now. It's called Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. Is anyone familiar with that book? uh, Daniel Kahneman is a Nobel Prize winning uh, in economics, and this is a uh, highly lauded book in psychology. And what he does in this book, with all the psychological research, he says there are basically two types of thinking which the title would indicate thinking fast and slow. But he calls them very cleverly System 1 and System 2. And System 1 is what he calls uh, kind of your, n- your natural reactive state. The characteristics of it are that it's fast, automatic, it's what happens frequently, it's uh, emotional, it works off of stereotypes, and it works off of the subconscious. That's fast thinking. When you're in a bind, you work with System 1. And, you know, If you're about to get hit by a bus... System one thinking is good. You don't want slow thinking if you need to step out of the way of a bus. You don't want to sit and think about whether you need to get out of the way. You want to rely on that system one. System two is what he describes as slow and effortful, naturally infrequent. It's logical, calculating, and conscious. Now, the way that the Bible talks about confrontation uh, in the wisdom literature sounds a lot like system two thinking. When we go into confrontation, we are to engage in a slow, effortful, and conscious confrontation as opposed to System 1. And here's a hint for you. System 2 very rarely happens online. If you're on Facebook and you see a debate happening, you're reading System 1 thinking. That's native reaction, emotional thought. Uh, you're not taking a slow, deliberate, calcula- for the most part. Some, some people will and then they're harassed by other system one thinkers. And so he's saying, but every person is capable of system one and system two, but system two requires a deliberate and intentional effort. And so system two thinking is what we're talking about here when we talk about biblical confrontation. And so that's the first point. Is we want to say, what does the Bible say about what confrontation is? And confrontation is a necessary thing, but it's not necessarily a desirable thing which that's a weird tension to live into, but we're going to keep going. Second point here, and I think this is partially from the text and this is partially from just knowing people and knowing myself, is most of us are comfortable in, in a way, in acting in a way that is either caring or confrontational. Now, I don't want you to raise your hands for this, but I think most people can say, you know, I found it a lot easier to be caring and comforting, or I find it a lot easier to be, confrontational and bring a hard word to people. But spoiler alert, neither way by itself is correct. The gospel offers a third way. And so, from our text this morning, which once again is Galatians 6:1 and 2, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Now, first is a word to those who are um, more comfortable being caring than confrontational. So perhaps uh, if you're in this camp, you may think to yourself, uh, you know, it's uncomfortable thinking about confronting people. I don't like doing it. I don't like even thinking about it. It keeps me up at night when I know that I have to do it, Uh, or it's possible that you see yourself as too loving or too caring to confront. You just want to comfort people and make them feel good. But allow me to suggest to you that at the very least, if you see a teenager with a camera trying to eat a Tide pod, it is loving and caring to confront that person. You guys know what I'm talking about? Have you seen that in the news? People eating the Tide detergent pods and taking video of, right, so that's, That's a caring confrontation, right? In fact, you can't watch something like that happen and consider yourself a caring person if you're not willing to confront. And that's a really simple example. Most of where we find ourselves is is a little cloudier than that. So no matter how loving or caring you see yourself, Galatians says we have to bear one another's burdens. And that can't be done with a live and let live mentality. It can't be done by just giving people their space uh, to be comfortable. So we can't, we can't be truly caring unless we're willing to confront people who are dealing with brokenness in their lives, especially if it's through the result of some behavior. Now, right, there's a word to those who are more comfortable being caring than confronting. There's also a word for people who are more comfortable with the idea of being confrontational than caring. And this is... Um, This is actually a little more common than I think a lot of us would expect. But perhaps the most common form of this I see is people who admire themselves for being very blunt. They deliver straight talk or real talk, whatever they want to call it. And so basically they say what they think and they don't care about the consequences. And while people like this occasionally have a good grip on the problem, their method undermines the solution. Right? So if you just say what you want, you're good at confrontation, but you don't bring the care alongside of it, you're going to deliver maybe even the right answer, but you're going to deliver it in such a way that people can't hear it. And that's not out ultimately restoring in gentleness, which is what it says. And so many people who who, who think this way, and I'll be honest, this is, this is the most natural way for me, I would prefer to just say whatever I think and not really worry about what impact it has on other people that's that's my natural tendency that's what comes easiest to me and so many people like me who are eager to confront defects we see in another person we read this galatians passage and we see it as a warrant to go on the hunt for sinners because it says my friends if anyone is detected uh in transgression you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness But uh, the translation that I read to you earlier uses, instead of the word detected there, it uses the word caught. And this is actually misleading too, because it says if anyone is caught in sin, you should restore him. But the word caught doesn't mean that you go around hunting for people. It's not a witch hunt. The word here could actually be translated uh, in a different way to say uh, if someone is trapped in sin, or they're ensnared by sin. Which means, rather than policing people and waiting for them to mess up so you can jump all over them, the idea that's being carried across here is your role is actually rescuing people who are trapped in sinful behavior. Do you see the difference there? That's a big difference. You're not, it's not, you're caught in sin like, I was looking for you to mess up and I found it, because guess what, it's not that hard to find. But, I see someone who is struggling and their life is falling apart because they are trapped by this sin and it's my job as a fellow christian to restore them and not just restore them but to do it in a way that uh, shows gentleness so there's no way around it in the bible we must be caring and confrontational in order to restore in gentleness now the third point and this one this one gets harder each one gets harder most of us find it easier to vilify someone before confronting them Right? The easiest way to make yourself ready for confrontation is to make the person worse in your own mind, to, to make them the villain, make them the enemy. This makes confrontation easier, but it's not loving your neighbor as yourself. And it will not likely lead to restoring and gentleness. The second, greatest, uh, the second half of the greatest commandment Jesus gave in Matthew 22 is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, do you vilify yourself? Probably not. Therefore, should you vilify others. And this reminded me of a a term that I've been getting a lot of mileage out of. Uh, There was a book last year, I think it just came out last October, but it was my favorite book of 2016, 2017. What year was it? 17. I don't have that in my notes, so I forgot. Um, My favorite book of 2017 was called How to Think by Alan Jacobs. Now, he is a Christian, but it's not necessarily a Christian book, so it's actually a really good gift to share with someone who's not a Christian. He doesn't hide his Christianity, but it's not in the Christian section of the bookstore, I noticed. And in it, he uses a, a couple really helpful terms and categories, but he has a recurring one that he calls the RCO, which stands for Repugnant Cultural Other. The Repugnant Cultural Other. And so he says, this is what happens... Uh, When you're in what you would call an in-group, and that can be based on anything, it can be based on uh, race and ethnicity, or it can be based on politics, or it can be based on uh, your socioeconomic status, whatever in-group you are, the repugnant cultural other is someone outside of your in-group, they're in the out-group. And he says this, he says, many Americans are happy to treat other people unfairly if those people... Uh, those other people belong to the alien tribe. In fact, their desire to punish the out-group is significantly stronger than their desire to support the in-group. So, if you want to destroy someone, if you want to confront them, all you have to do is convince yourself or someone else that this person is in this group and this group is detestable, therefore this person is detestable, therefore I don't have to be caring with them anymore, I can just confront them in whatever way I see fit. And so the repugnant cultural other is the group that's mentioned. Whenever they're mentioned, whenever you think about them, whenever you see them, whenever you interact with them, it just makes your blood boil. And almost everybody has these groups. And so if someone you're in disagreement with can be pushed into one of those groups, it makes it a lot easier to confront them. But that's not loving your neighbor as yourself. That's not what we're called to do. That's not how we're called to do what we're called to do. In fact... It reminded me, as I was thinking about this, I just added this this morning. There's a uh, term on the internet called Godwin's Law. It's from a guy named Michael Godwin who's an attorney. If you guys, anyone heard of this? Okay, you don't know the term, but now you do, and the concept will be very familiar. And here's the definition. As an online discussion grows longer, the probability of a comparison to Hitler grows larger. The more comments that happen is an increasing chance of someone in the argument being compared to Hitler or Nazis. And that's what he called that Godwin's... And he did that in 1990. That's when that definition emerged. If it was true in 1990, how much more true is it in 2018? But that's exactly what we're talking about. It's easier to say, you know, we disagree on this one thing, and and now I'm upset about it, but if I can push you into the camp of being Hitler... Now I can really hate you. I'm really justified in my hate of you. Thus, many of us create this horrible version of the person that we're in disagreement with where we lump them into the undesirable out-group so it will be easier to tear them down. And as I was thinking about this, I, this quote came to mind from a man named Arrestus Brown. And he says, Error has no rights. Error has no rights. But the man who errs has equal rights with him who errs not. So, the, And if I can substitute words here, sin has no rights, but the person who sins has equal rights with the person that doesn't sin. That means even if you catch someone in sin, the sin is wrong, but the person is to be restored in gentleness. They have equal rights. And so if we're to love our neighbors as ourselves then we must extend to them the same grace that we give ourselves when we're in error. Now, I don't know how many of us, when reflecting on our own shortcomings, are willing to commit Godwin's law and push ourselves all the way to the extreme undesirable group, whatever that may be, and classify yourself that way. Most of us don't do that. Therefore, if you love yourself like that, then you are to love others like that. And so in conclusion here, there's, there's no... Either or option when it comes to caring confrontation if you want to see yourself as caring But you're unwilling to make a necessary confrontation Then you'll be able to make your other people even yourself feel good in the short term but You deny them the restoration that they need and that you're called to deliver them So if you see yourself as caring but aren't willing to confront You can feel good about it. You can make other people feel good for the short term, but the ultimate restoration and rescue that they need is not going to be delivered. On the other hand, if you see yourself as someone who's confrontational, but you can't express yourself in a caring way, then you may have a clear conscience about speaking your mind, but you will not have restored anyone from errors that they are trapped in or shared in their burdens, which is what six one. Now, it's interesting here... 6.1 6 and six, go together. It says, You who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Well, the burdens being talked about here are the transgressions, the errors, the sins that that person is trapped in. You come alongside and bear their burden. You don't condemn them for their burden. You come alongside and can them. So, final quote for you. I know we're, we're quote heavy this morning, but there's a man named Elliot Nosh. He says it this way. He says, Truth without love is a killer, but love without truth is a liar. Truth without love is a killer, but love without truth is a liar. And so here's here's ultimately the point. If you only hear one thing this morning, hear this when it comes to carrying confrontation. The gospel of Jesus Christ shows us that God loves us enough to die for us. He doesn't simply overlook our sins and errors, but he confronts them head on. But the confrontation of our sin with Jesus on the cross is a far deeper act of compassion than any of us could muster. Therefore, because that is how God has caringly confronted our sin, therefore, when we confront others in their sin and errors, we do so as a people who have already been confronted with the deepest possible level of care, and we've come out all the better for it. We are made better because of what Jesus has done for us. And by living out that reality, we can become better together. Would you please join me in prayer? Father God, just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the challenge that it issues, the truth that it brings, and the self-knowledge that is uh, painfully revealed at times. But we pray for the grace and the strength to... Uh, be made better and challenged in a positive way by your word, Uh, and that you would use it um, not just in each of us individually, but in us as a community, that we would challenge one another, that we would caringly confront one another in the way that you have caringly confronted us. We also now lift up at this time uh, those released from the hospital this week. John Stifle released from Good Samaritan, Paul Triple from Mercy in Fairfield, and we extend Christian love and sympathy to Louisa Dickey and the death of her daughter and Jim Warner and the death of his brother. And we pray uh, also at this time we lift up uh, those who are in need and, and those who you've entrusted into our care. We pray that uh, we would be conduits of grace to those people and that your, your Holy Spirit would uh, work out your will in their lives and, and deliver them. We pray for uh, Chappie Chapman uh, and Lisa Carpenter, Sue Briner, Donna Pessinger, Kathy Rice, and Mark Bruin, And we just ask that these names you've given us, the people that you've entrusted us, that we would be a loving community to come alongside them and that the power of your Holy Spirit would work things that we can't even imagine or ask for. We lift up all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And as we pray together, dear God, make us into your community for your glory. Connect us in Jesus no matter our differences. Lead us to serve the world like Jesus no matter the cost. Help us to celebrate you no matter the circumstances. We need you, Holy Spirit, to empower us for greater works than Jesus. Amen. And now invite the